And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous starship captain once said, and as another famous starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, We'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always. That's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now, let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. Hello, Virtual TrekCon. It is so good to have you here. What we're doing today, Larry, it's sort of um, a best of life support live. Like what It's the greatest hits. Yeah, it's the greatest <laughs> hits. We've been doing this for... Larry, half a year now? You and I were actually going to do a panel at WonderCon. Right. WonderCon was canceled. We turned that panel to a show. Now we've turned the show back into a panel. Full circle. <laughs> it's come full circle. Today's going to be some of the biggest lessons we've learned that could be helpful for all of us in 2020. Uh, so feel free to comment below. Uh, someone said here, it's, uh, it's nice not to have to rush room to room. My chair is getting a big workout. Um, I feel the same way. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to go right till the end. Um, 9.45 is when we're supposed to end, 9.45 Pacific Standard. And then we'll, we'll cut the main content there, but we're going to stick around for another 10 minutes for a Q&A too. And in the meantime, um, we're happy to see the amazing chat that we have going on. Oh my so, gosh, yes. I see a lot of our familiar faces from Life Support Live and some from Trekland, my world especially, and uh, some of yours I know. But let's jump in. We've got, we only have an hour today, guys. I want to. We re- only have an hour. Um, I want to remind and- our, uh, our, our, uh, usual crowd who's with us on Saturdays that we're only in an hour, so we're not going to be dipping in into the chat as much, but we are setting aside some hailing frequencies at the end, just yep. to know. So to get things started, um, we want to ask you a question, which is, uh, what's the, uh, what's your favorite example of mental health from Star Trek? What's your favorite example of a character going through something or an example of professional mental health? What's your, what's your biggest lesson that you've taken that's helped you with your mental health? Let us know in the comments. So Larry, we're going to do a top three. We're doing our uh, top three. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do some um, top three hits. Um, So starting with, uh, yeah, we got some special, it's a virtual track card. We got got special things going on here today. Um, So for our top three, our number three actually comes from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And this is the idea of living through uncertainty. Larry, there was a lot of uncertainty involved with Deep Space Nine behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera. Um, tell us a little bit about the uncertainty <laughs> in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Well, I think uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, aside from the fact that they blew their budget on their pilot and the rest of the first season was very self-contained, <laughs> and people said, look, it's the little ship, it's the show that doesn't go anywhere. Now they're really not going anywhere. They're not on a ship, um, which was alleviated the next year in budget. But that wasn't part of the Deep Space Nine was really trying to be the Casablanca in space, um, the Fort Apache in space on the frontier. And we, and we all lovingly think now of DS9, especially now, not then, as the, uh, you know, the Dominion War show and all that. But it had its rough patch, get, getting its own idea, uh, its own uh, identity, as it were. Like a lot of us struggle to come up with an identity. But no, I, uh, mo- thankfully, most of the time to think of mental health on DS9, it was more, well, there are always stories. But I think about it as more as what was baked in the cake is the DNA of the actual show format, because they wanted to get away from the perfect. I mean, the the tagline for DS9 was always it's the darker, grittier show, you know, to which now Discovery would say, hold my beer. But back in the 90s. <laughs> hold my Rectagina. Hold my Rectagina. Hold my Canar. Yeah. <laughs> but I think everybody watching us today has a pretty good handle on what uh, DS9 overall was about. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, there's um, if we look at the story, uh, some of the big story themes, there's so much that relates to uncertainty, uh, rapidly changing mm-hmm. events, not knowing what's going to happen in the future. Uncertainty is what drives anxiety. And there was a lot of it in, in the stories. We had um, the transition that Bajor was going through from the occupation to the the interim Bajoran government, which seemed to be interim forever. Uh, it was a very long-term interim government. Um, the discovery of the wormhole and the connection to the Gamma mm-hmm. Quadrant. Uh, the whispers of the Dominion early on in the series, and then how that played out with the Dominion gonna say, War. Cut to the chase. The uncertainty, the biggest uncertainty of DS9 is all about what the hell's going on with the war, Yes. Which is what the one that I, it's always to me personified by the by the image that I pulled up for us of um, yes. yes of looking at um, it's just one moment. I keep thinking that this moment was repeated like all through the series, but it's really just the one <laughs> just checking out the war dead every week. Uh, yeah, this is from um, in the pale moonlight, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah, so. Um, we, we see with the Dominion War a rapidly changing situation, a new enemy, a lot of uncertainty about who are these people, why do they want to attack us, how are they attacking us. It ties into the Klingon storyline with the war with the Klingons that, that erupts. And uh, there's so many parallels here to 2020 with the discovery of the coronavirus. Well, we discovered it in last year, but how it was playing out the way it was playing out in different populations. There was a lot we didn't know about the virus, and yet we had to navigate all of this, not only big scale as societies, but individually in our own lives. Um, what's going to happen with our work? Am I going to lose a job? How am I going to navigate going to the grocery store? How am I going to navigate these different situations? My kids so in the- school, my job, school. My, my paycheck, oh, yeah. my store, my business, my everything, my family, my, yeah, my greater, my family across the country, my family yep. around the world. Yep. You know. And, and a lot of the big things that help us with uncertainty, we saw play out in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, the visual that you had about looking at the casualty list, Cisco has to step back from that and sort of stop doing that because it, it does take him away a little bit from his mission um, of, of trying to bring the Romulans into the war, Paralyzing. right? He's so overwhelmed. He's so paralyzed by all that information. And while he reads every name, um, he can't get stuck in that. And similarly, we've all t- had to learn how to manage our news and how to reduce some of our information seeking that way. We've all also had to find ways to detach from our stressors, do things that help us More to... Less cable. <laughs> yeah. We've all had to find our own VIX and find something that helps us to forget a little bit about the stressors of the day. We've all had to find new hobbies that um, keep us engaged and keep our mind active, like the way Odo likes to torment Quark and the way Quark tries to get one over Odo. It's kind of like their their running thing that they do. Um, we all had to find our own running thing that we do. And then um, the last thing here, Larry, that I think is a big lesson from Star Trek Deep Space Nine when it comes to... I wish Dax one day had just stood there and watched the two of them go at it and said, oh, that I love their little Spock-McCoy thing they have going. That would have... <laughs> To you know, for 1998, but whatever, yeah. She could have been the character that does that because she was uh, she was around uh, uh, back anyway. then. Uh, <laughs> well, the last thing is letting your values guide your decisions. When you're facing uncertainty, not knowing what to do, what are the big things that you care about? And when it comes to Bashir trying to figure out how to take on Section 31, or it's Benjamin Sisko trying to figure out how to bring in the Romulans, um, they're looking at what are my values, what are the things I really care about when everything in in the galaxy is changing, what are the true ideals that I hold as a Starfleet officer. Larry, I think we could go on and on about Deep Space Nine. We could, Nine. and we um, often do on Saturdays, but we only have an hour, so we have to. We have to do. Uh, let's go to our number two here. Um, number two is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, and we're talking about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, but this plays out well into the next couple of movies. So let's let's yes. talk about the needs of the many, uh, Larry. As you as you think about it, you might even ponder that it even plays out through I don't know, it's a very Star Trek thing. You know, and, and in time that even gets flipped on its on its side. Well, it was always an unstated part of the original series. I mean look at Kirk diverting to Vulcan to get Spock there when they don't even 
they're in a medical biological situation. Well, Spock knows, but he's not talking. And for some reason, after 100 years of Federation and 200 years of first contact, it's not in the Federation medical database. Oh, I love that one. Anyway, those Vulcans, those crazy Vulcans. <laughs> but the bottom line is Spock is going to sacrifice his ship, his career, his his one for the good of Spock, the one, or the many for the good of one. So that was a that was a statement that was around, you know, Star Trek for a long time. But no, it Rathacon. A lot of people go, wait, you mean that was invented for Rathacon? I mean, people not of the day. <laughs> but yeah, that was a that was a. It was a meme. That was a that was a not I say trope. That's that's a that's a uh, looking down on it. But uh, that was a concept that was like codified in Rathacon. But it's all through all Star Trek. And of course, yeah. the, yes, the trilogy of the movie trilogy, it's flipped on its side. And now we're going back to the needs of the one outweigh the weeds of the many. But sacrifice, um, the kind of heroic sacrifice that we see all good Starfleeters do, and occasionally, you know, the notable guest star, a recurring character, you know, for Cardassia. Um, Throws oh. it in there too. Yeah. Uh, now you you got to bring it back to Deep Space Nine. I'm, I'm going to refuse Oops. your bait to to be drawn back into Deep Space Nine. But I, I completely agree with you, Larry. This okay. is okay. Admiral this, Cornwell at the end of Discovery. Yes. Suit. Wonderful example. Wonderful example. Okay. Um, and one of my favorite characters that I wish we had. I really hope we see a lot more of her on, on Strange New Worlds. Um, the the thing about um, the needs of the many is yeah, this is a wonderful theme that cuts across. All of Star Trek. It is about um, what gives you a sense of meaning and purpose. And this idea of sacred values. That for all of us, no matter where we live, there are things that we find are sacred. And I'm not talking about sacred in terms of religious. I'm talking about sacred in a in a secular... Small less um, in, yes, yes. In a way that we all we all can understand. So in the United States, uh, freedom of speech is a sacred value. Um, in other parts of the world, there's different tar- types of sacred values. I grew up in a family where we take off our shoes before coming inside. That's a sacred value. There are sacred values in Star Trek. Um, Jean-Luc Picard says it very well in The First Duty, the first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth. And in Wrath of Khan, what we see the sacred value is uh, the crew, the mission, that if, um, if need be, you will give up your life for the people that you serve, the crew that you serve, your friends, your family. Mm-hmm. And this is what leads Spock to sacrifice himself. This is also what leads Kirk to sacrifice his career and the ship in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. When we believe something is sacred, we go above and beyond. We put our own lives in danger. We, we are willing to give up everything for that thing that we value so much, for that thing that gives our life meaning and purpose. And what we see in Wrath of Khan is Kirk going from a state of feeling disconnected with his duty and purpose to the end, really discovering it's to Spock. It's to the crew. It's to the people that he loves. Right, right, right. I was going to say on the side, you could even say the whole arc of Voyager yes. is uh, is putting is the sacred value of Voyager is uh, we're going to be Starfleet. Damn it! Even if we're among strange, even if no one's watching, we're going to be Starfleet, even among strangers that we don't know, and you know, and sacrifice the needs of the many for the one, or or vice versa. Absolutely. The needs of the one for the many. The, our little ship for our ideals or whatever, our individuals. Well, and, um, and why are we talking about this with 2020? There's a very strong parallel here. And this is one of the things, Larry, you and I talk about on Life Support Live that has been really missed, is when it comes to the safety precautions related to the coronavirus, um, we need a needs of the many outweigh a needs of the few situation or the one. Um, when it comes to social distancing, when it comes to um, the sacrifices we've all made related to the economy, mm-hmm. when it comes to wearing a mask, these are difficult things to do. And they need to be mapped on to our sacred values of community, of taking care of one another, of support, of um, we're not going to buy all the toilet paper in the whole store because we need to share it because everyone needs it. If we had more of a consistent rollout, and you know, I'm speaking for the United States. No pun here, intended. <laughs> right. Um, if we had more of a consistent consistent uh, campaign here, which we didn't have in the United States, 
their local, state, federal, everything was fragmented. We could have seen a rollout of coronavirus measures that mapped onto our sacred values. And if that happened, it would have been a lot easier for people to make some of these sacrifices. But that didn't happen, at least not in the United States. Looking pretty uh, Starfleet Command uh, Klingon human war there. A little disjointed, a little all over the place, a little up and down with the values until the the former trader comes in and reminds you what you're supposed to be doing. But anyway. Great, great callback uh, to to Star Trek Discovery again, Larry. Um, That's our number two. We could, again, spend forever talking about Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock (laughs) and the voyage home, but we are not going to do that. We're going to go on to our number one pick. Number one pick. Wow. Is, that was a drum roll. That's better than the last drum roll you tried a few weeks ago, but okay. No, no, no I know, I know. I tried Actually, to do that things was a little. shoulder roll, which gives <laughs> a whole definition, but let's sh- move on. <laughs> let's, move, <laughs> let's move on. A number one pick for Jordy the best hit yeah. of mental health, the best example of mental health in Star Trek well, is... As a storytelling, as a storytelling vehicle. Yes, yes. Jean-Luc which Picard. Was, which was the topic of our very first live support live, which yes. was going to be the topic of our uh, con. That was we've come full yes. circle with this topic. We've come full circle, Larry. Yeah, yeah. We've everything that's happened before um, will happen again. To reference another sci- science fiction franchise. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Picard's journey and and uh, people had some criticism of the Picard series. It just came back, but one thing it did do was like just totally build up on this circle of life that poor Jean-Luc he thought he was having it bad having to run away from home because his daddy and his brother were mean to him no I'm just kidding guys um, <laughs> he had much more trauma to go from you know having your having your having a, a heart transplant as a young man to the trauma we just showed the famous trauma of course of the locutus and his borgification there his assimilation even if it for a brief time but the guy's life just you know, kept on and on and on and on. He's tortured by Cardassians. He's, um, he's, <laughs> then he's back with the Borg again and has like a PTSD yeah. moment with them, f- facing down his demons. Then later on, after retirement, he's like having PTSD too. But he loses his family along the way too, which is, you know, is a thing that happens to people in a, but imagine what it's like to lose, lose family members in, in 2370 to a barn fire. Yeah, you know, it's like, and, and to it's, be so far away from being able to do anything about it. And the reason why, I mean, there's wonderful examples of traumatic experiences and characters going through that in all of Star Trek. And we could look at Deep Space Nine and almost every character there has an example. Whether you want to talk about um, The Visitor or it's an only a paper moon um, or um, uh, or The Emissary and where the show starts. Right. About Benjamin Sisko losing right. his wife also to the, to the Borg. There are wonderful examples of trauma all throughout Star Trek. The thing about Picard, and P- I'm, ta- Picard, I'm saying. I'm sorry, I was forced to live another person's life on a dying planet for 30 years. Yes. In yes. this special moment. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then O'Brien gets to say, well, here, hold my rack to Gino. I'm going to do the same thing, but it'll be in prison in hard labor. <laughs> you family, you know, your planet's dying. I must suffer. Yeah. <laughs> well, what what I think why Picard, Jean Luc Picard, is number one is we have decades of examples and decades of growth and struggle with this character. Whether you want to go decades in terms of canon, and we go back to Tapestry, one of our favorite episodes that we talk about often, and what we was see that episode? That, Eh, tapestry. Okay. We have a little uh, drinking just game case, here. Just in for case your... our regulars are on the drinking game. Yes, that's yeah. We have a Raktagino drinking game Saturday mornings, and every time we take a, every time we reference tapestry or sing a song, um, is bad that impressions. Two of the... Bad impressions. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I mentioned McCoy. <laughs> are you mentioned? The line that? must be drawn. Ha! This far, no father. <laughs> um, there we go, folks. Uh, you got, well, you got two but... right there. Um. Anyways, Get if you go canon, time of day, hopefully. <laughs> if you go in terms of canon timeline, we can go all the way back to Tapestry, uh, Jean Luc Picard getting stabbed in the heart by a Nazi. Dom John, human play, Dom John. Ah, ah, ah. 
stabbed in the back. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, now you get a little taste of uh, what our Saturday mornings are like. Um, you see Picard go through an example of post-traumatic growth, which means when through the struggle and fallout of a trauma, sometimes our, our values change. Sometimes our, our goal and our direction of our life can change. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened with Jean-Luc Picard. He learned how to take life a bit more seriously, to take more risk, to become um, uh, less cautious and, uh, and really focus on who he wants to be because he doesn't know how much time he has. To then, as you were saying, uh, Larry Locutus, the torture by the Cardassians, losing his family, getting re-traumatized in Star Trek First Contact, facing the Borg again. And then what we see in Star Trek Picard... Yes, the third time. The the Romulan refugees failing the Romulans, um, blaming himself for Data's death. And why I think Picard is struggling more in Star Trek And retreating from life. And retreating from life. That's the thing about, about it. The reason why I think Picard has gone through everything in the past and stayed relatively resilient is he's had the support of his crew. He's had Deanna by his side. He's had his mission. He's had the kind of things that help us. Support from friends, a really meaningful life, professional counseling. And in Star Trek Picard, he has distanced himself. He is largely alone besides his two Romulan friends. And um, he doesn't have the professional support. And his dog. And his dog. He does have his dog, which is very important to mental health for a lot of people. Um, And and Larry, he's also suffering from a neurodegenerative disease that does make him more prone to to emotions. So he's struggling more at a time when he has less connection. Just go Um, away, old man. Get off the stage. Picard shows us post-traumatic growth. He shows us resilience. And he also shows us what happens when we might be struggling more and don't have the support we need. I don't think there's any other character in Star Trek that has a longer, more complicated, well-developed example of what mental health means. And you're going to die on that hill, huh? I will. I will. This hill right here with this stool that I'm sitting on, this is the one. I I will. Yeah, I can think. I can think of some runners-up, Kirk himself, Spock, obviously, uh, uh, Worf even, but just because Worf has been in, you know, Michael Dorn's been in two series and has the most appearances of it, I mean, that's going to have to be regurgitated now. That's going to be recalibrated. But for a long time, it was very easy to say, seven years and seven years, 14 times 26 or whatever it was, and Michael Dorn and Worf had the most appearances plus the three movies, four movies. So anyway, but um, that's here and there. But yeah, there are some other – but you – with the addition of the Picard series, you have to say, I mean, we saw him, but it was the Picard arc was interesting because when they get to season two, it's a new ball game and that's great. But the first season was all about seeing this man in his little bitty pieces, then seeing yeah. this man with all his broken pieces. And then by midway, they're starting to click back into place. And then you even see him get back on top of his game by the end. And um, I don't know if you sustain that for a new goal. You know, the sequel is always eh. But at least for that season, it was amazing to see, you know, we started off with the pieces, but they were pieces. And to see the pieces get back into place yes. once again, you know, yeah. was interesting. Um, and uh, we, Nathaniel has a great comment here about the episode Sarek, when uh, Picard deals with the problems of revealing uh, yes. uh, uh, everything that he's, he's learned from the mind meld and, and all of that. Um, one more thing I want to say about Picard. Uh, Picard very much helped me. Um, in not only with tapestry and the idea that if we learn from our setbacks, we can grow. That was a very important life lesson for me. But Larry, another one, I think this is a virtual TrekCon exclusive. In season one, we learn that Picard is a very bad speller, that he doesn't spell very well. And um, he does a lot of um, text to speech. He speaks to the computer. So it gave me a lot of, um, it made me feel great about myself that I, I've, I struggle with spelling very much so, and um, it, it makes sense that someone who grew up with largely voice commands um, might not have done a lot of this kind of stuff. So even this guy who loves to read and is a captain of a starship... You call it writing. Yeah, he, he's, he's <laughs> not the best speller um, and hasn't written much, so maybe that, that, that gave me a lot of hope for myself. All right, 
Larry, let's let's switch gears here, and we're going to talk about um, our top three misses. So these are oh. examples that are not so great, or they're a bit problematic, and we want to hear from um, our lovely audience over here. We've got we've got an amazing comment section going. What's a worst example of mental health in Star Trek? Let us know in the comments below. Larry, number we're three. Start, we're starting with number three, but I know what your number one is. So oh, you know what my number one is. Yeah, I know um, what your number one is. Um, so we were talking, we were bouncing around number three, and uh, even came, well, there's look, guys, there's lots of fuck. Sometimes there, we can even distinguish here between what was an intentional bad counseling move that was part of a plot point, and what was just oh maybe those writers should have paid more attention to uh, a consultants or you know maybe what their own therapist said when they were in therapy because I know at least a couple of the Star Trek writers who have. Who have been in therapy in a good way is a is a healthy thing. I don't mean like recovering from trauma, but just you know ongoing life. Late great Michael Pillar would always laugh about ideas he would steal from his therapist to put into <laughs> to put into episodes. <laughs> um, but uh, you know he always with the baseball cap because he was so uh, upset about his thinning hair and his Rogaine. But then Rogaine gave us insurrection. So there's a little there's a little mini K three for you. I didn't know if you knew. Doherty out. <laughs> <laughs> insurrection to this man and that's all he can say to you is that's all i can say <laughs> it just cracks me up so no so here's how many people does it take before it's wrong larry how many <laughs> the line many was drawn there and no further <laughs> yeah and yeah and i crossed yes. it i jumped right over that's it that's the last line no hey here's the thing an entire series of voyager yeah uh, yeah. I don't know if they had a counselor who died when they got thrown into the Delta Quadrant, but you know, aside from oh, I don't know, Vulcan meditation, and yeah. you you thought McCoy wasn't the best bedside manner at times. Oh my God, they're poor EMH, but um, they really were one ship being cut off. All the the hassles, the struggles, the traumas, they the separation, the isolation. We've talked about them in different ways and how they apply to 2020, but they did all of that without a. No, no visible means of support. <laughs> there so, was, um, was, had we had times it was really a yeah. blow. We yeah. had Tuvok and his and his um, meditation, as you his mentioned. His Vulcan candle, yeah, his Vulcan. Yeah, candle. yeah, yeah. We and we got a lot of that. And you know, like mindfulness meditation is a big thing right now. Um, a lot of folks have used Headspace or the app Calm. It's really hot stuff right now, but it doesn't work for everyone. And so the idea that everyone's going to benefit from Vulcan um, mysticism, um, I think is, is, is not a great message. And then we also had Neelix, who was the morale officer. Um, Tom, who created those so, holiday I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we're trying to find the helpful parts of Voyager. That we're... <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. Voyager, yeah. Voyager gives us such great stories. And we, the image we put up is an image where our captain, Captain Janeway, is really going through a very tough time. It seems like she's going through um, a period of, okay. of uh, depression. Um, a very long I period of, as it were. <laughs> yeah. And, and Voyager also shows us how to deal with isolation and separation. So it shows us a lot of mental health themes. And of course, there's the great arc with seven of nine and her identity and reintegration into humanity. Voyager gives us um, Balana. Balana has some wonderful stories about um, dealing with intense emotions. But Larry, like where is, where is the professional help? She's a textbook mental health case. It's, you know, she's dealing with so much. Yeah. PTSD. Yeah. Depression when the Maquis are wiped out. Uh, She's yeah, dealing with a lot of identity, um, being bicultural, being bi-species. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there's so much that they're dealing with, but we we don't see any of them really get professional help or support. Uh, the the doctor does so much to improve upon his um, his programming, and the doctor even gets a wonderful mental health episode. Larry, the um, I'm blanking on the name. The episode where he has his own programmable family, right? His and family, he, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you see the doctor learn so much about life and loss and grief. He goes through so much growth. But like, why doesn't he get like just install one software update about like psychological first aid? Maybe just install that. Um, so, well, you know, within a generation, I think if it was by the time, you know, uh, Rios is, is running around in La Serena, there probably is an emergency medical counselor, the EMC, which everybody calls the Einstein. <laughs> 
um, or the second model, which would be the EMC squared, right? Ooh, I just right, thought of right. that. Okay. Anyway, apparently Voyager got away from home without its EMC, so they only had an EM. Uh, wait, I'm messing that up, right? The emergency medical counselor. That's fine. I guess it would technically be the ECH, which messed my Einstein bit up, but that's okay. They didn't have a holographic counselor, is my point here. So they didn't think they needed one, or they thought, you know, I don't know. It's only it was a yeah. small ship, right? It's only seventy seventy five people originally, so. Yeah, yeah, I, lo- I like what Tiffany has to say here. These uh, mistakes and misses are important to show that no matter how far the Federation has come, there is still a ways to go. Absolutely, Tiffany. Um, I think that's a great way to seg- uh, segue to our number two, uh, which um, someone, two. S- someone incorrectly predicted that this was going to be my number one. My number two biggest miss, our number two biggest miss, is... Plexing. Ah. Oh, Larry. Larry, and, Larry, and, Larry. And by this, we don't mean visiting a, a transparent aluminum plant in 1986 or whatever. No, no, no. Of the, no. Of the forerunner of a transparent aluminum plant. No, not Plexicorp, so, right. just Plexing. <laughs> right, right, right. We should make that distinction. Um, hello, computer. Uh, <laughs> so Plexing comes from a Star Trek Next Generation episode where Barkley, uh, not Broccoli, uh, but Bra- uh, Barkley is extra- experiencing anxiety, goes to get some professional help from Deanna Troy. And Deanna Troy basically says, have you tried plexing? Um, it's this betazoid technique. You know, you just kind of hit this spot and it calms you down. I hate plexing, Larry. I hate, 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 hate plexing um, for, for a number of reasons. Number one, I think it's just bad therapy. Um, oh, excuse a, me, excuse me. You do realize you're you're disrespecting the entire Betazoid Psychiatric Association. Allow me to explain. Uh, the my Betazoid colleagues. You right now. My Betazoid colleagues have developed this treatment that probably does work well for Betazoid physiology. In a similar way that if people are able to learn deep breathing, sometimes deep breathing, when you slow your breathing down, it activates your parasympathetic nervous system, which calms your body down. It's kind of a similar idea. But even then, some people have a hard time learning deep breathing. It doesn't work for everyone. But it, that's something that's very much tied to our physiology. Plexing is tied to betazoid physiology. And um, the way it's also shown Fair. to Barkley... Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She doesn't really spend the time to train him in how to do it. And I think it promotes this very bad stereotype of therapy that it's just these like quick little tricks maybe and it'll work. But even in the way she shows Barclay, it doesn't work. It's not. But then it, it's not. It's not. And the other problem I have with plexing is, my goodness, hasn't mental health come a lot farther by the time we get to the 24th century? We have hyposprays, we have dermal regenerators, we have all of this stuff that's really advanced Starfleet medicine, and yet we haven't really advanced psychotherapy? There should be new techniques, new instruments, new medications, and even by 1980 standards, we had very effective treatments for anxiety, and those aren't the type of treatments that are shown here. So uh, plexing, I think, all over the place is just a really bad example of what mental health care is. Your your point there about Starfleet and its counselors and, and the state of... I, I think it's been well established by Next Gen's time that for at least the last hundred years, all the best counselors get promoted to the Admiralty. So they just lose... Their, their ranks are always subject to turnover. <laughs> this I'm, is true. This I'm is totally true. Kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Echo Cornwell, for adding so much texture, not trivia, to our <laughs> understanding of psychiatry and psychology in the 1970s. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we could spend we could spend more time talking about plexing, but let's get to our your number our number one. My number one biggest miss. This is actually point on the drinking game. When Ollie mentions this, it's time to yeah. Go. Esri and Garrick in Star Trek Deep Space Nine in the season seven episode. Um, Now, okay. Yes, there's a few things that I think are very good here. One, we have seen a lot of... Uh, Garrick is one of the best characters in all of Deep Space Nine, which is saying a lot, because every character on that show is the best character on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> and I would say that Esri is the best ever one-year regular. 
I I would agree with that, Larry. Um, although, um, well, I guess she wasn't a regular. The Romulan in charge of the cloaking device on Defiant, she was never a regular. <laughs> was she? She was a yeah, yeah. She was only in the search part one and two, I think. I'm talking uh, open titles, regular. Come on. Yes, 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 yes. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, now the thing with Garrick that I really like, Kate Mulder. Just for all you people out there griping about Pulaski being uh, not being seen in the right light. Pulaski was never considered a regular. She was always a recurring guest star, even though she was in every episode. Go, Ollie. Back to the topic. So uh, what I like about Garrick is we see uh, Garrick, um, we see him being um, um, ostracized and alone uh, from his people. We see him losing his sense of meaning and purpose in terms of serving the Obsidian Order. We see um, we see him struggle with claustrophobia when he's held by the Dominion. And then all of that is kind of playing out in Season 7 in that episode with Ezri. So I love the character development that Garrick has gone through. Now, my struggle here, and why I think it's the number one miss, is um, Ezri should really be able to do much better at this point. And the way her um, her treatment is shown, I think really supports a lot of stigma related to mental health. That therapists might not know what they're doing, that effective treatments don't exist. We have very effective treatments for claustrophobia. One of them is exposure therapy. And someone like Esri should know this. She shouldn't be so overwhelmed with what to do. And she should be able to search the Federation database, the medical database, to know what treatment should I give Garrick, even if she has been promoted too early, even if she shouldn't, um, uh, if this is like an emergency uh, position she's granted. Larry, I think that was something that we learned from our discussion. That was feedback you gave me that it is a time of war. Um, that Cisco as one of the most uh, in command and one of the most important strategic outposts or positions could probably ask for uh, Dax to be with him, even if she's not ready. But even then, she should be able to, to know what's the effective treatment here and implement it. Um, I have much more faith in Starfleet Medical for training its counselors than, than what we end up seeing with Ezri and Garrick. So I think yeah. at worst, <laughs> Ezri and Garrick really supports a lot. Um, it can perpetuate a lot of stigma related to mental health. Did you mention the fact that she was an emergency unplanned joining Trill? No, I didn't. But please, please, please do, Larry. Add, uh, <laughs> I, I think you've got some great thoughts here about that. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't... Yeah, it's it's just the way it was. But then you know, as, as somebody is uh, somebody I'm married to always used to say, well then then where would the story be? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. She, uh, yes. Well, anyway, I'm glad we let you get that out of your system. Um, yeah. What are we? What, yeah. yeah I, I I I keep seeing. Thank. I want to thank everybody. We're not dipping into the chat as much as we normally do on Saturday because we're trying to keep moving along. I pulled two or three out of the chat, though, so everybody keep it up. Uh, keep enjoying yourselves, too. <laughs> Whatever it is you're drinking this early in the morning. Um, but um, but uh, let's let's we should move on, because I do want to have yeah. time to get to some of these chat comments, even the, old, the, the earlier ones. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's move on to our top three lessons learned. Now, Larry, this is this is where we're going to um, take things a little bit more personal and um, very much related to our community over awesome? here. So, yeah, I know um, what we mean by lessons learned is what have we learned through uh, 27 episodes of um, Life Support Live? What have we learned through our community of these live shows? And we want to turn it over to the audience over here, too. What are the biggest lessons you've learned about mental health in 2020? Let us know in the comments the biggest things you've learned about mental health in 2020. And our number three is when we share our pain, we write permission slips for others to do the same thing. When we Watch share our pain, and we've got an image to kind of represent this right over here. This is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Trek, which is uh, Garrick and Quark talking about the Federation, lamenting um, some things about the Federation over over root beer. Um, I, this is one of the greatest quotes about the Federation. But um, Larry... Uh, so cloying. Well, <laughs> what we've learned is as you and I share more of the struggles we're going through in our own lives, 
it's made it easier for other people in the community to, to share their struggles. When you shared more of yours, it makes it easier for mine. Um, and then it goes around and around and it makes us feel less alone, less strange. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it helps us to understand why we might be feeling the things we are. And it helps us to then get help. I think it all starts with that, sharing one piece of the struggle you're going through with someone else who's there to listen. Yeah. Remember when people made fun of Cybok and his whole share your pain uh, therapy? Now we, that was pre twenty twenty, obviously. So, um, oh gosh, Cybok, yeah. we haven't spoken about Cybok in a long time. Um, people it's always terrible. forget about him, and you know, apparently Spock's parents just like hide all these siblings. Uh, <laughs> Spock's Spock parents. Too. Well, Sarek does. Sometimes I wonder if Sarek is telling Amanda everything. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. oh dear. Did you bring home another kid? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but don't, yeah, that's been a don't, don't give me the Vulcan priestess princess line this time. I know she's not Vulcan. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, we get a, a great comment um, from Watcher652Vid. Zoom is a lifesaver. Talking is helpful, even when it's virtual. And Larry, I, I'm so thankful that we have had the technology to um, to have oh, yeah. our show, yeah. to have the community, to be able to, to go through these things. Um, it would be very hard to go through 2020 without any of this. Technology. I have said many times for uh, for all the ways for school, for school continuing, even in its limited state, businesses continuing our but most of all just our social interaction what we're able to do during lockdowns and pandemic you know fears and scares and all that is our life right now with the good thing this pandemic didn't happen if it had to happen even like 10 years ago we had the beginnings of this technology but it would have been you know like ham radio operators or something it would have been so many people would have had to get over a hump but if it had been 15 years ago or say or 20 uh, forget it we would really all literally be in our little houses we'd all be like phoning each other or, or cell phoning on tiny little pixel s- screens or something and it would have been you know more maddening might have been a technology bump we might have got here and you know quicker but uh, yeah thank goodness we can do this so yes i'm very appreciative we share our we share our pains but yeah our our audience every week the audience we've got today is really good about sharing and throwing ideas out and keep, keeps me fresh as well as you know feeling better about things and uh, i know it's well even aside from the whole esri texture i know it's uh it's been good for you too well yeah it, it absolutely has and even with with esri um jamal over here is saying you know i actually i think the problem was uh, a near complete lack of information about cardassian psychology and this is actually a really great segue to our number two lesson learned Number two. Number two. Uh, number two. Um, have a drink, folks. There you go. Um, intellectual humility is our number two. And um, one of the things, Larry, I've learned what about do you doing this show. What do you mean by show, that, Dr. Ali? You know, what I mean by that, it's a great question because it's a it's a strange term that not everyone's used to. Is, um, uh, is just being... That it's not just some psycho-techno-babble, is it? No, it's, it's, a, it's a great... It's a great term... For 2020, which is not being so confident, so bold in your um, in in what you think is uh, is fact is true, and acknowledging that other people have life experiences that might be different than your own, and there might be information that you do not have that could add um, much more understanding and to use one of your words, Larry, texture um, mm-hmm. to to our knowledge. And one of the things I've learned through doing this, Jamal just showed it uh, case in point right over here, is I've learned so much about Star Trek and um, dealing with some of my tough feelings about Star Trek that have come and gone. Um, I had some tough feelings about Lower Decks, um, Star Trek Lower Decks here and there. But you and I having those discussions um, and approaching it with intellectual humility has really helped me to appreciate things from a very different perspective. You know, one of the challenges I had with Lower Decks is why do they keep mentioning the Enterprise? Like, we get it. Like, let's mention other aspects of this big franchise. And Larry, do you remember what you told me about that? Um, when I, when I, I, I heard point- your words. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you talked about, well, if they are mentioning the Enterprise so much and the characters so much, it shows us the weight of the flagship 
in the Federation and how much the stories and tales and adventures of this crew, how they ripple out throughout Starfleet. And when I start I, to think about I it, basically said the reason that we're watching Kirk and Company and Picard and Company, it's not just because they had a good agent. It's because right. they were the people that that deserve a series. Yes. Yes. In a, in a meta way, right? Yes. So it, but it Lord X reinforces the fact that we just didn't get, you know, show number 47 of the entire Federation catalog. We got the cream of the crop. And for a reason. So, of course, that's who the people of their contemporaries are all aware. Everybody knew who Eisenhower and MacArthur and Patton were. Um, you know, we all know who the big bands are. We know who the, you know, we everybody knew all the personal details about the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and name your band right. now. Right. right? So right. the people And it's who the are, same thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you know, learning from whoever's wedding, you know. You know, learning from each other um, and, and approaching this stuff with, with humility. You know, there's a lot of people I know who, who love Ezri. And I, I do love so many parts of the character. And there, there's so many people for whom that moment really uh, resonates when Ezri... Right. Uh, I've spoken to therapists who have told me I have felt like Ezri at times, especially when I was new and I felt like I was an imposter and people were going to find out how unprepared I am for this work. Um, physicians have mentioned that. And many healthcare professionals feel this way, feel this internal sense of imposter syndrome when they start. So approaching our conversations with humility, with intellectual humility, has been um, a great lesson for us and a great lesson for Star Trek. There are there's so many different versions of Star Trek, and let's let's all remember Idic, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. It's okay to love different versions. It's okay to love certain versions less. And even in those versions, there's probably there's probably reasons we can find why people love them. You know, instead of bashing a version of Star Trek that you don't like, instead ask the person, what's it about this this version of Star Trek that um, that that really strikes you? What is it about this Star Trek that really means so much to you? How does it resonate to you? Let's have those conversations because there's so much we can learn from each other and share it with each other when we focus on why we love versions of Star Trek as opposed to why we hate them. Dr. Ali, the Gate Destroyer. <laughs> Smash gatekeeping in Star Trek. Um, Number one, our number one reason, or number one lesson learned, crossing That's, the streets, bad idea. You're going to wear out that drum and that shoulder, but go ahead. <laughs> I know, it's already worn out. Um, number, number one, one reason, number one, number I'm one. I'm doing top 40, yes. Number, number one, one engage. Um, yeah. We boldly go together is our number one. Um <laughs> Larry, let's let's talk about We Boldly Go Together. What do we mean by this? Well, it was the song from that 1940s musical, uh, Merrily We Go Together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, we are all going together. We, we kind of touched on it here that, uh, I don't know, it's like it's, it's almost a corollary of for the good of the many, the good of the many over the good of the one, the good of the many, period. It's like if you can sit home in your cave, you can go back to your vineyard, and sulk and be or you can stick your head out and join with everybody else and uh, find your tribe find your likes dislikes share your pain um but yeah it's amazing how um well let me get back to this we started by saying we started the our show 27 weeks ago we started the today's hour by using an old phrase that occurred to me i'm a big history buff as much as a space buff and a sci-fi buff and um, I love the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. The, <laughs> excuse me, the 1920s and the 30s and the 40s. And that, <laughs> phrase, that phrase that came out during wartime after Pearl Harbor and everything's, you know, the rationing came down. The We're losing all the men in our communities and a lot of the women, too. But, you know, it's like, you know, they're either too young or too old. That song that makes fun of the girl that has nobody to date. Um Everybody's either a kid or an old man, kind of a thing. But anyway, all the all the changes, all the upheaval in our daily lives, right? The inability of pro, uh, we're all supposed to be sacrificing. Go do the scrap metal drive, everything like that, and then to get the pain, you know, to be a gold star family and have the pain of a lost one and the uncertainty. All of that 
how long do we have to put up with this? How long will this take? Well, nobody. Every, it's a war. Everybody knew that. And it was a big war. It wasn't a little dinky, oh, one millionth of our people are going and doing the fighting and the sacrificing. It was a all generations, all classes type of war. And the best they could come up with, the phrase was, well, for the duration. Or that would be the top of the memo, right, yeah. of the order. Yeah. For the duration, blah, 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 blah. And when the pandemic came down, the lockdown came down, I have some Tuesdays lives where as it was getting closer and closer in the weeks before and as it was a, a Seattle thing and a Bay Area thing. And is it it's like, guys, this is we're not going to have conventions this year. Is Zoom going to take? I mean, I was literally trying to say this in March, right? We're going to have a whole. And the best you could say was that that phrase kept coming up to me. It's like no one yeah. knows. No one knows how bad it will get. No one knows how long yeah. it will last. But these things that are going to happen and are happening, it's for the duration. And and that's a phrase that, you know, it's amazing how history's come full circle. But I really don't think we, even with the traumas we've had, the JFK, if you think of a social national trauma like 9-11 or JFK's assassination or, or, this, or 1968, which used to have the year crown as worst year ever, um, we we don't know how you know those were like momentary shocks and then we began to recover from them. This is like ongoing and we don't know and it's like the first time I think since World War since Pearl Harbor and the immediate you know the first months after that. It's the first time I don't uh, yeah the the stock market crash and the depression was kind of that way. We had two huge traumas in a row and then we've been pretty aside from our bad our bad days we've been pretty. You know, ongoingly trauma-free as a country, as a society, as a world, and 2020 ended that. So yeah, for the duration comes in really handy as a as a phrase. Yeah, I'm, and I'm we're you know we're we're going through this together. I got and style rant there when I shouldn't have. So sorry, guys. And no, 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 it's okay. I mean, the idea for the duration, um, and we've been doing this show for the duration. But, we have no idea how long it's going to go. You know, in the comments section, a lot of folks are talking about. Uh, the pros and cons of these virtual trek cons and how for it's um, it's mm -hmm. opened the door for so many uh, not only to be able to attend and interact when they wouldn't otherwise but then also to be able to participate when it might be harder to participate in a big room and a lot um, of people's first time ever a lot of people never got yeah. to go to yeah, and, and we don't know how long we're going to be doing this. We're going to be doing it for the duration, whatever that means, whatever that ends up meaning. But we're, we're all struggling. You can't see each other's struggles. Um, so often they're invisible. Um, and we, we're going through this together. We're going to support each other together. And it's through these types of communities that we, um, we're going to get through this together. So folks, if you want to join our community, if you want more life support live, please visit our, uh, our Facebook page and you can get all the updates. We stream this every Saturday, Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, if you go to facebook.com slash group slash life support live, that'll get you connected to our Facebook, our YouTube. And we also have a podcast. Right now, it's, it's, Surprise, the podcasts news. are all the... Um, <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. there, uh, are live streams on delay. Um, right now, if you, if you look up Life Support Live on your favorite podcatcher, you'll be able to see the feed, subscribe. We're going to be releasing the first 10 episodes from our podcast this week. We'll move, we'll keep moving forward until we're caught up to 27. So, folks, Shout I know we're at. Yeah. Yes, oh, and by the uh, way, our, our live show Saturdays, that's only 6 p.m. British summertime. 7 p.m. Central Europe, and we have a lot. I have a lot in my Trekland and Portales uh, families that come in with us Saturday. So you guys across the continent, if you're watching too, uh, over the pond, it's easy to get to live. Also, that's one. That's why we do it early in the morning so we can get as many people in around the world as as we can. So six so, and seven. So folks, we're going to stick around for ten more minutes, and we know that we're coming up at 45, and you might have another panel that you want to go to. So if you want to go to that other panel, feel free to. Thank you for being here. As we usually say, live long and prosper and always yep. track well, guys. However, if you'd like to stay for a little Q&A, uh, Larry and I are here. We're going to stay for 10 more minutes and be able to um, have a little Q&A with you folks. Have a little open up our hailing frequencies, as we like to say on Life Support Live. Yep. Yep. And listen, I as opposed to what I normally do on Saturdays, I actually had the brilliant idea for once to like copy and paste some comments from the earlier part of the chat out that to save later. What ah. a concept. It only took me only took me twenty five weeks to figure that out. 
while um, while Larry pulls up his comments, folks, if you have any questions for us about um, Star Trek and mental health, um, let us know in the comments. We're going to pull out some of the best questions. Larry, um, you got some ready to go. I do. But by the way, one thing we should have mentioned before we said goodbye to some folks is uh, we've got the we did the show place. But I've got LarryNimichuk.com, and I'm at LarryNimichuk on Twitter, and you are? At Olima2 on social media, and my uh, my YouTube channel is called The Psych Show, where I make psychology fun and easy to understand. He does. He has totally non-Star Trek uh, psych issues. Uh, my other <laughs> handle is LarryNimichuk's Trekland on Facebook and on Instagram. But here's a couple I pulled up here, and good point. Um Jamal Taylor at one point said, you know, we're talking about all these characters. Scotty probably deserves an honorable mention. He's mm. been killed once or twice. A lot of physical trauma. He's had bits of depression. I think he had a he had a midlife crisis there with Mira Remain, <laughs> maybe even. Um, but yeah, Scotty's it's almost like the entire. Well, you know what? Any leading crew of any of the hero starships that we see has probably been around the block just because the writers are mean. But <laughs> and what drama? But yeah, I would, I would, I would say that too. Here's another one. Uh, I want to Bar- say real quick about Scotty. I think yeah. Scotty also shows us um, there's a lot we can talk about substance use with Scotty. And when when is substance use a problem? When is it not a problem? Um, we saw a lot more substance use in Star Trek Picard, but um, we've also seen it with Scotty. And so maybe that's an issue we should take on, Larry, because we haven't really done a deep dive into substance use what it is, when it helps, when it's a problem. So maybe we should right. talk about that next time um, on, when or sometime in the future. Right, right, right. That's good. So I want to say, a short, uh, we had. I see a lot of new names today. And again, I yes. want to say a lot of our community is here, but I'm seeing a lot of new faces and new names. So that's awesome. One of them, I think, is Charlotte Brockman early on said, I often wonder about Molly's mental health, Molly O'Brien. What oh would both... Gosh. Both of her parents had been possessed by aliens at some point, living on DS9 during a war, plus the aftermath of Miles, her dad's traumas. Did he come out a hard time, come in and like abuse his family? We didn't see that about him. Well, and kind <laughs> of seen there was a little running bit into your running into your older self who lived on a planet alone for decades, and then having to say goodbye to that older self. Yeah. We should talk about Molly and development. Forget, forget and, Miles. Forget my O'Brien must suffer. How about Molly did suffer? <laughs> yeah, I think all of the O'Briens uh, really do suffer. And her um, mom off on, well, I guess she was with her mom. When her a, mom would uh, yeah. A quick, a quick comment to Galinda. I need to know how to find a tricky psychotherapist. You know, there's a lot of them out there. And sometimes just, uh, just when you're working with someone, um, drop a little Star Trek reference and see if they pick up on it. You'd be surprised how many of us there are in uh, Starfleet Medical. That's part two. I had to pull out from Galinda too. Uh, she said she when she finds a new therapist, she always starts to ask them if they're a Trekkie. She's it's ah, there you me. go, there you go. Uh, Galinda, a little mind melt uh, there for for all of us. <laughs> Here's what at one point Sue Gruner. Hello, Sue. Another new name. Uh, said, uh, nobody has panic attacks in Starfleet. Is that a deal breaker? Well, I think if they're going to be the featured guest star, or if it's a season finale or the cliffhanger of a two-parter, they get a panic attack, maybe. I'm just thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah you can't, I think... Um, if that's true, it must have been a waived for... It's it's like uh, the Lord X crew gets to, like, you know, suppress that. They don't put that in the official report. As yeah, we see well, now. one of the things, one of the things, uh, panic attacks, uh, you don't necessarily know someone's experience with a panic attack. Sometimes it's very obvious. Oftentimes it's not. So I would argue we probably have many characters who might, um, mm-hmm. who may have experienced panic attacks. <laughs> you know, most people in, in one year will experience somewhere in the range of two to five panic attacks. They just won't experience it as panic because they're realizing, oh, I'm mm-hmm. really anxious right now. Um, people who struggle with panic attacks have more intense reaction, and also it's it's very or anxiety attack. However, yeah, they're not yeah, they're not clinically uh, diagnosed with anxiety, right? Right. So I think we are, we probably have seen a lot of characters, but have no idea that that's what they're experiencing. Who comes to mind first? You know what, who what popped into my mind well, first? Barkley, obviously. Well, okay, but we didn't we didn't see it. But it's it's Kirk when he froze and didn't shoot. Oh yes, well, even though it had yes. nothing, but it, it traumatized him. 
right? It's a yes. little thing he did. Yes. Anyway, Which I'll say, the freeze response, you know, people often talk about fight or flight. The freeze response is one of the most yeah, common sorry. responses to anxiety is when something scary has happened, we, we freeze. A lot of animals do that when they might be uh, chased by a predator. And oftentimes freezing um, or maybe it over makes... Right, right. Yeah. Well, that's the problem is deers mm-hmm. haven't quite evolved uh, to understand how cars work. But... Um, a lot of times freezing, or yeah, a freezing might make a predator think you're dead, or it might reduce the chances of, uh, of um, them seeing you. And for humans, a lot of times freezing uh, keeps danger from escalating, keeps problems for escalating. So freezing is, is a perfectly adaptive response. And you're right, Larry, we see Kirk, uh, we see Kirk engage in that. Yeah, and I see another one here from our chat earlier, uh, Magello. I'm sorry about the name. Uh, he said, I've never heard of Life Support Live before. I'll have to check this out. This has been really insightful. Yay. That's all we're trying to do. We still have play. I, when we first started, I kept, we would say, talk about it. it's Star Trek and mental health. And I would say, there's no quiz. There's no test the next day. It's <laughs> no, all this is all fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. all fun. Robert has a great question. Ali, do you know of any good, any case of good actual counseling in Star Trek? Star Trek Picard, Nepenthe, is probably the most phenomenal example of counseling skills in action. We see a very experienced um, counselor, Troy, uh, with a longtime uh, patient of hers. In, in much the same way that, patient, that we have patients in the military, you know, the lines are blurred between who's a colleague, who's a friend, and who's your patient when you're serving in the military. In much the same way, she provides Picard with the counseling he needs to overcome the struggles he's in and um, does the same thing with Dodge as well. She a, tries a, to do, or Soji, yeah. actually. Soji, sorry, with Soji in, in a slightly different way, but especially with Picard, Robert, I think that's the one of the best examples. We also see it in Discovery um, with um, Admiral um, Cornwell. Cornwell um, offers uh, the, the doctor some wonderful advice, even though she's no longer practicing. Um, she's still able to offer him some wonderful advice. Even though it was a plot there. point. Oh, yeah, it was some of the best. Well, we had a retiree. And a and a promoted way beyond that pay grade occasions there, but it's like the best. I don't know. I I guess it's because it's we've we've all gotten more sophisticated with mental health and counseling, yeah. and it's for, for as far as it has to go about just being out in the open and we openly talk about it. It's much further along than it was in the '60s or even yes. in the '80s and '90s. And I don't know. Maybe we're seeing that reflect. <laughs> we talk about the tech advancing, you know, everyday tech and how it's dated. The mental health, I mean, um, I just saw somebody was laughing about this. I keep wanting to do this on the, on the main show. Somebody noticed, oh, it was Clayton George. Hi, Clayton. Um, said Trek's treatment of mental health has been brought up as a joke, referring to like whom gods destroy. Give him this medicine and he'll be totally cured. Mm. Um, and the neural neutralizer, which I used to talk about all the time. I, I would just go woo, 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 woo for a neural neutralizer moment. But, um, but yes, it's like everybody. <laughs> In our later iterations is, is displaying. Although, you know, Troy had a couple of moments there. Troy, Troy with Mark in Voyager was In awesome. Voyager. Yeah, yeah, we've actually talked about that in Life Support Live that um, Troy is wonderful with Barclay and Voyager. And, and the writing got better for her as a counselor. Uh, Marina has always been, been wonderful, amazing. That's but what the writing you say. finally caught up. That's what you say when you have a patient from 10 years ago show up to you and you say, and they. <laughs> Wow, I wish you'd told me that 10 years ago. And you say, well, the writing got better. The writing got better. Uh, Tim's got a great question here. As a Trekkian psychologist, what is Dr. Ali personally taking from the issues of mental health brought up in Star Trek? You know, what? one of the things that I take from it is um, Starfleet officers are, represent um, really the best. These are the people who have very high ideals, high morals, high ethics, um, and high expertise. And they can struggle with these different issues and learn how to be resilient, still report for duty, still be able to um, contribute in ways even though they might be struggling. I think that's a great lesson we can all take is mm-hmm. we, can, we can both be amazing at what we do and also struggle. Those two things can both occur at the same time. 
Uh, this is why I got a little upset in Star Trek Discovery where, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, our Klingon turned Starfleet oh, off. Ash Tyler invoke. Yeah. Ash Tyler was taken out of duty because of, uh, the trauma he experienced. And I didn't really think we had a good representation of what that process would look like. So I think that's one recent exception, but overall, Starfleet does not discriminate based on mental health. And I think that's a, a wonderful takeaway that, that we can all aspire to. Yeah. Um, gosh, I had a great point here. Oh, you were just talking about if now Lord X is reminded us. And again, I, I should have pointed out, we should have pointed out, not every, a lot of the world has not seen Lower Decks and a lot of folks haven't seen Picard and Discovery. So bearing that in mind, but Lord X has shown us like, you know, not every ship is the flagship, not every ship is the Enterprise or even the Voyager Defiant. But if we're talking about Starfleet being the best of the best, the best, even within Starfleet, there are, <laughs> there are great, there's a spectrum. But even more than that, it's like you would think on one hand, yeah, you had Troy on the flagship, but and they had the role of counselor, and maybe this was reflecting our times as we go through Archer and then Kirk's time and all that. But and, and when counselors became a fixed item in in Starfleet uh, manifests. But if you were in a fallacy, if you stop and think, if if Starfleet is pre-selecting for the best, the best, that would include mentally healthier, and you'd say, well, there's not as much call for. A full psychiatric staff, as there is, say, for a medical staff that's going to deal with injuries and mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, the unknowns and occasional combat and all that. But at the same time, it almost feels like, and maybe this is, you correct me on this, the people who are the most mentally healthy, let's say, when they do have a trauma that's debilitating, they're just, they're going to fall as far, or I say fall here roughly as a layman, they're going to fall just as far or further because they're not used to having a bumpy life. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. The need for those people is just as acute or even more so. I'm not trying to rank people's pain here, but um, when they do fall, when they do need the help, they'll really need the help because they're not used to being in that situation. Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Matu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nemechek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thepsychshow. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nemechek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time... Live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone. <laughs>